Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This season of the Collective Wisdom Podcast is brought to you by Between Tracks Media Productions. Chris Hall Franzkowiak set up Between Tracks with a mission to make the process of setting up and producing a podcast as easy and pain-free as possible. He does all that and more with his super-organized system for file sharing, his tips and advice on everything from which equipment to buy to how to get the best sound quality. The service at Between Tracks is amazingly professional, reasonably priced, and above all, Chris is just a really nice guy to work with. I think it's fair to say that without his help, there wouldn't be a Collective Wisdom podcast. Wisdom, as we all know, is about understanding your own limitations, and mine on the technical side were pretty high. As ever, there's a link in the show notes for his website and contact details. Thanks so much to Chris at betweentracks.com. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 29 of the podcast, which this week features a topic that affects us all in some way or another, money. I've asked my great friend, Dennis Harhalakis to join me as he's a certified money coach, so has so much wisdom to share about the psychology of money and how understanding our own attitudes and beliefs towards it is the key to lasting financial independence and success, either on a personal level or if we're running a business. It's a subject that's at the centre of our lives and yet we're never really taught much about it. Instead, we pick up often unhelpful beliefs that can lead to anxiety, shame or regret that actually become the money blocks in our life. As Dennis so wisely says at the end, money doesn't come with instructions, but it does come with a whole set of emotions. I found this conversation fascinating and it definitely caused me to stop and reflect on my own attitudes to money and how intentional or even conscious they are. Getting to understand this stuff can really change your mindset around money and with it your financial reality. I do hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm so thrilled to say that my guest today is my great friend, Dennis Harhalakis. Dennis is a certified money coach and founder of Cambridge Money Coaching. After an illustrious 30-year career in financial services, which took him all over the globe, he trained as a money coach and set up Cambridge Money Coaching to help people better understand and manage the money in their lives. Alongside his corporate work, Dennis works with individuals, couples, or entire families to promote a healthy relationship with money, make better financial decisions, and reduce those stress-inducing emotions that can often be associated with money. But there's way more to Dennis than just his wisdom around money. On returning to the UK, he and his wife, Catherine, bought a plot of land and set about building a house from scratch, a project which, although challenging, has resulted in them creating a beautiful, modern space from which to live and work. Together, they have three teenage sons, the youngest of whom, Felix, has been a lifelong friend to my daughter, Hannah, growing up together as they did in Singapore. When I think of Dennis, I think of the huge intellectual horsepower he brings to everything he does. 
He has a relentless quest for knowledge and a deeper understanding of everything from behavioral economics and human motivation to the inner workings of financial markets. I think it's this curiosity about people and what makes them behave the way they do, and the sense of wanting to share that knowledge with those around him that makes Dennis such a great coach. Or perhaps it's just because he's a lovely, thoughtful, considerate man. So welcome, Dennis. Thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Kat. I think I should stop and quit while I'm ahead. That's just <laughs> some of the most beautiful things anyone's ever said about me. So that's, you know, absolutely lovely. And it's, oh, a, welcome. To, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for inviting me and thank you for what you're doing with this project. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Super. Yeah, no, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And what it allows for me is is to, yeah, investigate that curiosity where something mm. interests me. I can go and speak to people and, and again, share that knowledge with the world. I think that's what we have in common. So, yeah, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Now, I asked you, um, as I, one of my favorite questions is, what's the question you love to be asked? Because <laughs> I know that that will take us straight to a place of enthusiasm. And your answer was, what is it that makes money hard to understand? So, yeah, we're here to sort of address that question. Yeah, thank you for asking that. It, it is something that um, has puzzled me and a lot of people for um, a considerable number of years. Um, and in, as you mentioned, I, I was in banking for, for a number of years, and there were so many people I knew that didn't manage their finances particularly well, and some had credit card debts, and some couldn't pay school fees, and some made bad investments, and it was just... You know, one of those things where people go, well, you work in a bank, surely you're good with money. And of course, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So as I became a money coach, I, I began to understand a lot more about it. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I sat down one day and thought, well, why is it so hard? And I started writing it down. And I think this is really helpful for people because we, we live in a complex world and money runs through our lives. And yet, you know, no one ever shows us really how to how to understand it or manage it. So that was kind of my tagline. It's kind of my I went, mission is, is, to, is to, to show people why this is, is difficult and to help them start in a place of self-compassion. So here we go. I mean, firstly, our brains are not wired for it. They simply aren't. Our brains wow. are evolved over time to keep us safe um, and to manage our metabolic budget. Make sure that we've got enough energy in, energy out, running all the different things that go on inside our bodies. So they're not wired for money. That's not wired for it at all. So we have this capacity for conscious thought. We have this capacity for conscious cognitive activity. So we can think, but most of the time uh, we don't think in the way that we think we think. So essentially we think, oh, well, you know, that's, that's how we do stuff, but actually it isn't. And it's not around money. So our brains are not wired for money. In fact, our brains are wired for the opposite in the sense that our brains are wired for safety and our brains are wired to help us survive in the moment right now, because right now is, is important because the only future that has any relevance is the one that you're alive to see. So our whole brain in terms of the fight or flight, all those mechanisms are there to keep us alive right now, yeah. not future planning, not investments, none of that stuff. That's not how your brain evolved. It's not what it evolved to do. It's wired for the opposite. I need to work out how to stay alive right now. And that's why kind of all those feelings we have about instant gratification are so powerful because the brain is wired for that. If 
if you lived in an environment which we did 15,000 years ago where there were no constant supplies of food if you went out foraging it might take three hours to get a root or a tuber or something like that then you see food you consume it and all of it right there and then so we're wired for instant gratification because we need to stay alive right now the third thing that about finances is really complex I mean, we've got debit cards credit cards we've got this whole world of credit in in its many forms um and we've got pensions and we've got direct debits and we've got a whole bunch of stuff that's just so so much more complex than when you and i were growing up when you and i are growing up we only bought things when we had the money and and not before right if you didn't have the money you couldn't go to the shop and so this whole process of, of okay well this is what i've got in my post office savings account or this is what i've got in my piggy bank or this is what i've got in my hand i will go and spend that i can't spend more than that because i don't get credit and and so that was kind of simple uh, and now it's 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 much more complex so no one ever tells us how to manage our money in general mm. no one's sat down and i ask all my clients has anyone ever shown you how to manage money and they all say no and you, you can look at that and go well of course they say no that's why they're your clients that's why they're there no but you with... make a good point which is i love what you're saying about coming at it from a place of self-compassion because i think the the danger otherwise is to internalize the not knowing and make it a place of shame you know oh. how come i don't know this and everybody else seems to get it oh absolutely so our education process and I think to a certain extent, our childhood teaches us that if we don't understand something, there must be something wrong with us. Mm. So I'm doing something wrong. I don't know what it is. It must be me. So how many times have you heard, what's the matter with you? Why don't you understand? This is a simple, you know, what's wrong with you? Why did you do that? What's wrong with you? Mm. And we internalize that. And you're absolutely right. It, it turns into shame. Um, and so no one shows us how to do this stuff, but we don't start with a bank slate either. So we start with this subconscious inheritance that influences us for the whole of our lives that we're not even aware of. So much, or practically everything that you feel is normal around parenting, around how parents talk to children, how parents talk to each other, how you, how you behave in families, how you siblings talk to, all of that comes out of your first seven or eight years, sort of seven or 10 years in the family environment. And that includes everything that your parents thought or felt around money, even if they didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. So in extreme examples, you have people whose parents went, oh, no, no, we don't talk about money. No, 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 we don't talk about that. And then you've got other examples where parents will always talk about how much other people have or how much they don't have. And so we go into life with a subconscious inheritance uh these subconscious beliefs and scripts around money that we're not even that we're not aware of but they play out yeah uh, money money doesn't grow on trees um, oh yeah money money can even be seen as something that's quite distasteful you know sure. like they're not talking about it but also not not wanting more of it or oh yeah money makes you rich money makes you greedy they've got more money than sense they're filthy rich yeah all of that stuff yeah. Very um, has connotations around it. Um, you know, you, you, if you, you, money corrupts you, right? Uh, so things like that sit in, in, in your, in your subconscious. 
um, and they play out over your life without you even realizing it. The other thing that happens is that because money has numbers, we think we can turn money into numeric discussions. And a lot of financial education is typically an austerity gospel. <laughs> Wants and needs. Is it a want or is it a need, right? Yeah. And I used to pursue that and I thought, no, 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 they're all needs. They're all needs. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are all needs. And so being judgment, we're very judgmental about this. And so fin financial literacy advocates, they go, it's all about the maths, right? What is it about a thousand percent APR that you don't understand? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you simply need to do the maths. It's money in, it's money out. And this isn't this is not this is not true at all. And so it confuses people because it's all about emotions. How I feel affects how I spend, what I spend, and what I spend and how I spend affects how I feel. So emotions are the key part of, of, of all of this. And so when you boil it down to numbers, it's like saying, well, what don't you understand about? calories it's just you know calories in calories out that's that's all you need to know about diet right and we know that's just not true mm. at all and it's plus if you go to that place of especially with scarcity of money you know if there's no money there that's really a, a very unsafe place sure. so it's quite understandable that the emotions are quite fraught that's right and so when you're looking at it and going well it's numbers why don't i understand that again it comes you you go well back to the I don't know what it is. It must be me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it, there's a lot of emotion involved. In fact, it's it's mostly emotional. But at the same time, I think particularly for men, our culture teaches us that expressing emotions is unsafe. Right. Interesting. So the word emotional has many negative connotations to it, doesn't it? Don't be so emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly for guys, like man up, you know, just deal with it, which has a whole bunch of other negative side effects but if you if your relationship with money is an emotion emotional one and you don't understand that and you don't understand what's going wrong but you're not allowed to access those emotions because that's considered uh, unseemly unattractive or just you know ridiculous then we don't understand the messages so physical pain is accepted right in our society we understand the messages for physical pain it's a it's a uh, it's information from my body. My foot hurts. Maybe I need to go and get it looked at. My head hurts. Maybe I need a, a neurofen or maybe I need to drink some more water, you know, stuff like that. So we, we mm. you know, not all of us listen to our bodies, but, you know, you know what it means, right? But we resist the messages from emotional pain for a number of reasons. Uh, but one of them is like they're associated with, with guilt and regret and shame, but also we're like, you know, don't go near it. You know, this is this is society's about man up in, in the physical sense is kind of, you know, man up in the in the emotional sense. And there's this culture of silence around money. It's taboo. So yeah, you yeah. have hundreds of money podcasts and shows about money and all of that stuff. And but no one talks about how it makes you feel and how you feel about it. There are some there are some now some mm. podcasts out there. But it, as you say, it's relatively recent that we've even been prepared to, yeah, go there on. I really feel yeah. ashamed of my relationship with money. Or yeah, so this concept of relationship with money—if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have like, well, what are you talking about? And I think the way to understand it is, if you have a relationship with something, a relationship with somebody, that person makes you feel things, or that money makes you feel things. 
but it also makes you feel things as in like, you know, excitement and anxiety and stuff, but it also makes you feel things about yourself. Mm. So that's the key to a relationship. So if you kind of think about a bad relationship, that person makes me feel awful about myself, but we can have that relationship with money. If I said to you, you know, this person makes me feel crap, this person gives me highs and lows, this person, you know, you'd think, oh, that's a really bad relationship. You should get rid of that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that partner, whatever. But that's money. But that is your relationship with money, yeah. That, yeah. Is, well, that say, can you be your relationship with money. You can't really escape it. it is a uh, no, you can't. Yeah. Um, and money is so tied into our feelings of self-worth. So that comes back to the shame and the guilt and the anxiety aspect of it. And it's a core survival needs, which means that it's wired into our reactive systems. It comes back to that word safety that you mentioned before. So our core reactive systems are fight, flight, and freeze. And fight, flight, and freeze are not great ways to manage your finances, think about money or or, or mm. really actually handle anything other than escaping from something that's got more teeth and legs than you have. And that's what it was designed for. Fight, flight, or freeze was activated to keep you alive in the moment. So when it gets triggered by looking at a credit card bill or a tweet or anything that, like that, um, it's really, really powerful. It's really instantaneous, takes you over and it blocks your ability to, to deal with it. So we end up with this anxiety, this guilt, the shame and regret, and that adds to our blocks around money. And so when you look at that, it's amazing to me that any of us manage any of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's this whole, the, the, the point around, you know, what is enough? And then trying to save, like you were saying about, we don't have it, in, we don't really have that sort of capacity to really think about the future, but we're expected to save into the future so that we can actually say, okay, when I stop earning, I'll have, you know, that, yeah. that complexity is, is a whole nother layer of it for me. Sure. So there's, there's, yeah, understanding that relationship with future cat, what does future cat want? Um, what will future cat like? And what choices does future cat have? And what does that mean for cat today? Mm. None of that stuff is intuitive because your whole system is about keeping today's cat alive right now and making sure today's cat is happy not future cat and we get confused by this because we can think about stuff we can think about the future but we it doesn't mean that we do it all the time it doesn't mean we do it around things that cause us discomfort and obviously it doesn't mean we do it around things that that we haven't been shown how to do and then we've got this subconscious inheritance that blocks us so i say you know when you start with that you start with self-compassion. You start with self-forgiveness because it's amazing that any of us get anywhere with this. Yeah. If I said to you, um, you're 17, 18, I say, Kat, here's, here's a car. Just drive it down the road for me. Drive to the next village. What do you think would happen? Well, I'd definitely have a crash. <laughs> Anyone right. who knows my driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would have, probably not now, but you would at the time because... You've got a rough idea of what you're supposed to be doing, but you'd go too slow, too fast. You'd come off at the first corner and whatever, and you certainly yeah. wouldn't be able to park it. And it's the same yeah, thing. You've got, this, yeah. you've got this thing, right, that you have to use every day of your life that no one's ever shown you how to operate. Mm. And you have to kind of um, work it out yourself. If no one shows you how to do it, you have to work it out. And I think and, it's that, you know, even if you do work it out, you're not really consciously necessarily working it out. You're just 
being influenced by other people or managing or, you know, there's not that intentional, okay, this is how I want to be around money. Mm. That we, we don't often ask ourselves that question. No, we don't. So there's no, there's no conscious process that says this is how I want to be. We do it in other parts of our lives. We go, I'd like to be a coach or I'd like to be a runner or I'd like to be an artist or I'd like to be a yoga teacher. And, and so we can, we can apply, there's a process to that and there's a, there's a feedback process and a learning process and all, all sorts of things involved in that. And at some point that becomes part of your identity. Mm, mm. So it's no longer a conscious process. I'm a runner, and so what that means is that if it's raining, I go for a run because that's what a runner would do. It means I exercise however many times a week it is because yeah, that's what a runner would do. In it's internalized yeah. in, into part of my identity. You're a mother then. You don't think about what a mother would do. You are a mother. You've internalized that. It's not a conscious process for you. In fact, it probably never was, but so it's not a particularly good example. But other things that you've taken on in your life and consciously chosen to be. Mm. So we end up with, with money thing is where people go, oh, you know, I've always been bad with money and my dad was bad with money and his dad. Before. So we tell these stories to ourselves as justifications for why we've not engaged with the process. Yeah. We tell stories with ourselves. It's like, oh, I'd like to be better, but, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'd like to train for a marathon, but I, I'm just not the, you know, I'm built for comfort, not for speed. <laughs> Whereas actually, you know, 200,000 years of evolution has designed you, ex well, not exactly for a marathon, but you can all do it. And so... I'm not, I'm not all preachy around running. It's just that, you know, what blocks us generally is ourselves and our, and, and, and our views of, of ourselves. So when I think about money, I think the way to understand it is there's three parts to it. There's how you feel about yourself, how you feel about money, and how you feel about money in yourself. Right. So a healthy relationship with money is um, I'm a person that um, – feels good about myself, I'm positive about what I, what I know and what I can achieve. If I feel good about money, it means that it's not the root of all evil, it's a means to an end, I'm not gonna get obsessed by it, then I'm not gonna avoid it. It's a, it's, it's a way to bring joy and pleasure to people, including myself and my family and to provide. And if I feel positive about money and myself, what that means is that um, I'm comfortable earning money, saving money, spending money, engaging with the financial system and learning how it works. Yeah. So there are three parts to it. And the one that that is is often missed missed out is how do I feel about myself? So at the identity level, am I the person, the sort of person that is good with money? Why I'm the sort of person that's always bad with money, always wanted to be this, but never could be that. And these are all stories. All of think, them can be changed. Do you think if we have a um a kind of a narrative that I'm bad with money, that can actually block money from coming into our lives? Oh, absolutely. Um, you see that around self-sabotage in, in, uh, in, in, all, in, in all areas. So, yeah, people who feel they don't deserve money or they feel that money is bad subconsciously. Wow. It's hard to attract something that you don't like or respect. Yeah. Or you yeah. think is bad for you. That makes sense. Uh, it undermines it. 
So we were going to dig into, because I, I know, you know, I'd love to sort of share with the audience here a little bit more about how money coaching works, how, you know, you've got these three relationships and how you start to explore them. And what fascinated me was the whole role of archetypes. And you have this money quiz, which I've mm. done. And that helps you to sort of form a, a picture, if you like, of the, the, the types of identities that we were talking about. So if we dig into, say, if we use mine as an example, just to yeah. sort of help people see how, how the process works would be fascinating. Absolutely. And everyone loves a quiz. Oh, they do. They do. I love taking the quiz and it's lots of questions around, you know, how do you feel about spending money? How does this leave you feeling? Are you somebody who spends money easily? You know, it's, it's asking you lots and lots of questions about your relationship with money. Yeah. So it's 78 questions and, um, We'll come to that in a, into a sec. So archetypes um, for people that aren't uh, familiar with the concept of archetypes, they're used as a way to understand the different types of personalities or, or behaviours you have. So because most behaviour is subconscious, um, archetypes are a way to group a set of behaviours together, recognise them and sort of bring them into the conscious so we can look at them and go, mm. aha, right. It's not a judgmental exercise. It comes from a place of compassion and understanding. And as the godfather of archetypes, Carl Jung said, until you make the con uncon until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So that comes back to how I feel about myself. And you know, if I'm not the kind of person that I can ever do this because I've got a whole set of unconscious behaviors that are sabotaging me, I can't change those till I make them conscious. And so, so archetypes are that awareness, if you like, yeah. sort of, yeah, bringing that awareness into, you know, so it's standing right in front of you and you can then look at it and say, what does this look like? Yeah. Yeah. What does this look like? And so through money coaching, we, we go into this in, 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 in a reasonable amount of, of detail and you can look at it and you, once you make it conscious, you can then choose to accept it or not accept it. So if it's not working for you, you reject it. And if it's working for you, you stick with it. So in, um, in money coaching, we have eight archetypes that we use. And that's because we have different conversations going on in our heads all the time around money. Sometimes we're this, sometimes we're that. Sometimes we feel this way, sometimes we don't. And so it's not just a single personality. It's not just a single type. You're not a single type of person. You have... Um, at least in the money perspective, different archetypes, different conversations going on in your head. And they're not who you are or what you are, but they're just where you are right now. And they can be changed. My clients will take the money quiz at the beginning and then sometimes at the end, and their archetypes will have changed, at least the readings you get on the different archetypes. So we have eight archetypes and three of them are positive five of them are negative. And so by negative, what I mean is that there are elements to them uh, that can undermine us. So if we take the innocent, the innocent archetype is trusting and non-confrontational. But if this is your domin dominant archetype, you can end up fearful, anxious, or indecisive. Mm. The martyr is compassionate and long-suffering, but this can turn into being critical, resentful, and manipulative. The fool is fun. The fool 
is the kind of person you'd want at the party. The fool is almost that early boyfriend that you had that bought everybody drinks. Buying all the drinks, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he bought everybody drinks. And then that's fantastic when he's your boyfriend, but not when he's your husband. You've got three kids and you're trying to live off a small budget. Mm. That. So too much fool is bad. Not enough fool is boring. Too much fool is bad. So these are these are some of the archetypes. Um, we'll go through them all because um, when we go to your money quiz results. And we all have most of the archetypes in us, and some of them are active and some of them are passive. So active is where it's dominant in your life and passive is not kind of like the shadow, your shadow archetype. But the shadow archetypes can become active when we're stressed or afraid. So warrior can morph into tyrant. Warrior is normally good, strong, powerful. But when the warrior gets stressed, the tyrant comes out looking to control people and money and situations to make them feel safer. Right. When some people find themselves in a financial mess, the fool can come up and seize on some harebrained scheme to get them out of it. So you can have a shadow fool and they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh, great, this crypto thing. That's fantastic. I'll put all my money into crypto and I'll get all my money out on credit cards. That's what's going to save me. That's when your shadow fool can come up. Um, in the same situation, the innocent might go, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen and just freeze. Mm. So these, these negative archetypes can bubble up under stress uh, and challenging situations, or they may be active in your life uh, all along anyway. And although the words like fool and martyr and, and stuff like that they don't sound very, very positive, it's not really meant to say, because they're not who you are. They are just how uh, your money thoughts and patterns and behaviors and manifesting themselves so money coaching helps people to understand their money archetypes and where they came from um, because they came from your childhood and some of them came directly from your parents and sometimes they come from things that you're self-actualized where you go oh, when i grow up i'm never going to do that Mm. And sometimes that gives you kind of, you know, a positive side of it. So if you've got parents who are mean and mean and mean, and you're like, when I grow up, I'm never going to do that, then you can have an archetype that just morphs into fool. So you have managed to get away from that scarcity mindset that your parents had. Maybe they came out of the war, or maybe they came out of the depression, and all these things are perfectly reasonable behaviors. Uh, but you've gone to the opposite extreme. Yeah. So fool morphs from is, is essentially the difference between generous and overly generous. Right? Overly generous basically is, is um, bad for you. So adventurous is good. Restless, undisciplined is bad. Um, lives for today. Well, actually, that's not great. Impetuous, not. So helping you understand these things in a, in, in a safe, non-judgmental manner is like going, oh, yeah, I do that. wonder where that came from. Is it working for me? Is it not working for me? And if it's not working for me, that's okay. We can, you didn't choose the fool. You don't choose your emotions. You don't choose any of this stuff. It's not a conscious decision that you've made. So you can start with self-compassion because no one chooses to be anxious. No one chooses to be ashamed or regretful or any of that stuff. These, are, these, these emotions just come up. Mm. And if you start with self-compassion and forgiveness, then you have agency, you have the ability to change. Because if you don't start in that position, if you blame yourself for everything you've done so far without understanding what got you there in the first place, which essentially is the culture, your subconscious inheritance, and a whole bunch of things that you never chose, 
then when you try and change and it doesn't go right, you go, oh, I knew I, would, I, knew I could never do this. Yeah. I knew it was always wrong. I knew it was stupid to try. I never should have bothered. I'm just like this and I can't do that. So you, we, I don't think we made most of the choices that made us who we are, but we can make choices about who we want to be. So if we take off our joint 15-year-olds, how much of who they are is down to choices they made? Well, I think when you're looking at 15 year olds, it's always about it's, it, it does feel like an evolution, you know, and, and I've really noticed as as they've come into that sort of age where they start to have their own proper pro- pocket money, not just sort of mm. pieces, but, you know, that there's money to manage, if you like. Am I going to spend it on a Netflix account or am I going to spend it on? Yeah, sure. Junk in the shop, you know, and, and, and clothes and, and starting to notice wow, that's expensive. You know, yeah. if I want to buy that t-shirt. So really, you know, that's the age for me that people start to. They, they do, but I think they're playing out. They're just playing out the patterns. So they didn't choose their parents. They didn't choose their DNA. They didn't choose their schools. They didn't choose which countries they lived in. All those things have had the most the most primary influences on who they are and mm-hmm. how they got to where they got to they didn't consciously choose them and that's your base that's that sets you off for uh, a bunch of decisions you may or may not be making but essentially that's your core kind of understanding of yourself and yeah. how the world works how you operate in that world so in that sense i and i think you can say they didn't make most of the choices that make them who they are because they don't have awareness of that and that's not meant judgmentally because i don't think most of us have a great deal of awareness about how much we actually really decided and how much just made came out of a whole bunch of choices that were a result of how we started Mm. oh yeah and i'm very aware myself of the influence of my parents and their attitudes to money on on my own yeah sure. that's for sure i don't feel like i chose them all myself yeah and it goes beyond money it goes beyond everything in terms of you know what's appropriate behavior what sort of jobs what sort of lifestyle what sort of aspirations what will you accept in a relationship what will you accept from your children all of that stuff comes out of your childhood so that's okay you know you, know, you can't change that and it's okay to say you know what i am where i am I don't think it was a result of conscious choices. Now, it doesn't get you off the hook. You have to live with the consequences of your actions. But I'm saying that uh, that they come from a limited set of, 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 of choices that you had based on everything that went on in the first 10 or 15 years of your life. Um, the problem we have around this is that our culture likes to tell us that we have agency and we are responsible and we did make choices because that's wrapped up with moral codes and religions and it means we could punish people. Mm. And it also gives us guilt and shame about things that we think and do that are not the result of conscious cognitive processes. And that's where all this stuff comes up around money and around how we see ourselves. Those are not choices that we've made. So bringing greater consciousness to that, I think, releases people from the stuff they've carried around and gone, oh, yeah, actually, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose to be that person. I didn't choose to be afraid. None of that is down to conscious choices that I've made. 
And now, now you have to get clear on what you're going to do going forward. Yeah. Once you have that level of consciousness, once you look at it and go, oh, yeah, okay, I see how it works. I can release myself from all this stuff that I've carried around and dedicate myself to going forward. Um, and so archetypes is part of that process, like saying, well, you have all this stuff going on in you and you didn't choose any of this stuff. Some of it you kind of chose by going, well, I don't want to be like that. But essentially, that's still a reaction to what that was. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes it isn't. And sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not helpful. Let's get it all out, drag it into the light, forgive yourself for the stuff that doesn't work and get clear on what you're dedicated to, to fixing beyond that. Mm. So that's, the, that's what I like about archetypes. Um, so if we want to look at, at yours. Yeah, you absolutely. Um, so what's interesting about yours is, first of all, the influence in all of yours is passive. So I think what if we come back to how do I feel about myself? How do I feel about money? And how do I feel about money in yourself? What that's telling me is that you don't have strong reactions. So the money type quiz is a list of 78 words and you say yes or no to the ones that resonate with you. So it's not a big thing in your life, mm. either positively or negatively, you're aware of it, but it's not driving you. So that your influences are passive in that sense. Does that? Does yeah, that really resonates in that, in that I don't get too upset about, I can let things go quite easily. I don't, I don't think of myself as being stressed around money. I, I feel I'm quite adaptable when it comes to, yeah. Yeah. If situations change, price goes up, price goes down. It's fine. Yeah. How you feel about money is not in either positive or negative around it. It just is what it is. And it's certainly not a key driver for me. Yes. Yes. Uh, totally. So you have no, you know, level of strong reactions around it. You just use it as it is. And sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you look at the prices and maybe sometimes not. So uh, you're in a, you would start with innocent. You have an innocent score of 25%. So that, again, is passive, not active. Uh, the characteristics of the innocent are trusting, happy-go-lucky, well, externally anyway, fearful or anxious, sometimes internally, uh, indecisive, security-seeking, financially dependent, non-confrontational, and sometimes seeks rescue, sometimes feel powerless. Primary fear of the innocent, strong innocent, is abandonment um, and safety at all costs. Mm. And um, you have a low reading on that. Most of my clients are quite high innocent. They're like, what's going on out there? I don't know. This scares me. Um, and we all start life as innocents. So that's, you know, yeah. not unusual. Good point. Um, and the lesson for the innocent through coaching is to claim their own power and learn to find safety in the knowledge of their own capabilities. We all start as innocents. We all learn how to do stuff. And we just need to learn how to do the money stuff as well, not be scared by it, not be scared by our emotions around it. Or not delegate it. Or not delegate it. That's right. So yeah. that comes into, yeah, it scares me. Someone else needs to deal with this. <laughs> That's usually me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Not going there. Not that one. No. Safety at all costs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, It'll be fine if I don't look at it. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. That's, that's it. That's, yeah. So, so unfortunately with that, uh, for a lot of people, worrying about it is scarier than looking at it. But your primary 
response is that's causing me discomfort. I need to stay away from it, not engage with it, not challenge it, not ask what it says about myself. Mm, mm. That's your hard wiring around that. And that's, again, engaging with uh, um, emotional discomfort. So physical discomfort, pain, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Oh, it's bleeding, right, I'm going to deal with it, fine. Emotional discomfort, mm, mm, maybe later. Maybe there's a better time for doing this. Right now, I've, I've, I've been, got other things to do. So victim in you is zero, and that doesn't surprise me from all I know about you. <laughs> You're not blame, prone to blaming others. You're, so victim is prone to blame. You can go none of the above on this. Prone to blaming others, highly emotional, lives in the past, seeks rescue, powerless, resentful, unforgiving, uh, longs to be rescued. So no, you you don't blame your woes, financial or otherwise, on external factors. No. You don't. And that's very, I think, looking at your parents, I think that's a very strong value that they have. Um, both of them, uh, particularly your mother, is carpe them DMs, my girl. <laughs> exactly. And also this sense that you you make your own luck. You have an agency over things. You know, that that's a sense that you you have this capacity to to change it if you don't like what, what it is currently. I think that yeah. helps. Um, and that and that's fantastic because that is the agent of change. That's I, re I refuse to accept things as they are, and I believe I can make that change. It's mm. one of the four key things, the most of the of the four fundamentals of kind of building or accumulating wealth over time is 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 the locus of control. I can do this. Not like it's the world, it's the system, it's the Democrats, it's the Brexit, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So. So that's internal. So you have no victim, and that's great. Um, your warrior is a little bit low. Your warrior is uh, 9%. So that's basically one box you've ticked there. Warrior is one of the good ones. Warrior is powerful and driven and loyal and competitive and disciplined and goal-orientated, confident and calculating and generous, wise and discerning. And you are all those things. And I think that the test just doesn't bring those out. So if you were to do... Uh, a money coaching we we would delve much deeper into this and it might I'm be sure that i live with a warrior more... could it Sorry. be that i live with a warrior and i let him do all the worrying <laughs> yeah there's there's enough warriors in your family are there? Yeah. he is very strong warrior um warrior can morph into tyrant sometimes yeah as we know that's my my problem um but yeah so it doesn't mean though that you can't in your own in the in the sphere of influence that you want to create and that doesn't necessarily have to be financial that can be i see you as you know a warrior in the home environment in terms no, but of it's interesting what's really revelationary about that for me is that yeah it would be be really useful and this is where i would work on it with a with a coach you know if i came to you for coaching it'd be like okay i want to be more of a warrior when it comes to my own salary build yeah. my business all that stuff that i tend to not focus on yeah that's that's the area for for work yeah, so the warrior then in that aspect is how do I feel about myself? Do I deserve this? You know, am I suffering from imposter syndrome? How much money is enough? Oh, that sounds a bit greedy. Well, best not ask for that. Yeah. Best not chase them up. That looks rude. You yeah. know, how I feel about myself, how I feel about money. Oh, you know, money's not that important to me. I'm lucky. I'm privileged. I can do all that. You know, it's not that matter. It's not about the money. I'm not doing this for the money. And how I feel about money and myself is, oh, you know, I'm not a greedy person. I don't want to be defined by this. But we're talking about your worth here. 
Mm. And your worth for you is not a number, right? You don't put a number on your worth. No. But you're trying to set up a business. So somewhere the two have to come together. But this is a, a, an interesting area because I do some coaching for small, well, some of my clients have been small business owners and, and changing this transforms their businesses because they can they can they can feel far more confident about charging their worth yeah and building their businesses without feeling conflicted about what it says about themselves well it was interesting i had a, a an experience the other week with um uh, a friend asked me to to beta test uh, an eight day uh, an eight hour workshop so i was getting the the workshop for free but i was giving up eight hours of my time mm. I looked at it as I was getting the workshop for free. It was a beneficial thing. It was, and Sim, who's the warrior said, but that's eight hours of your time, you know, and that perspective is so insightful for me as to how you value your time, what numbers you put on it, you know, how you would look at that even in a situation. And if you take that situation and extrapolate it out, you know, into your life generally, yeah, that's, that's definitely an area for work. Yeah, so a lot of small business owners struggle with this because they're in it because they're really passionate about web design or photography or all the stuff that they do to set up their businesses. And yeah, you need you know you need a bit of money to you need to make the books balance. You need to make it work, and and maybe you even need to make it pay for itself in the sense of I, this is this is now my my living. Um, but they're not driven by the this is going to make me a huge amount of money thing. Mm. And so the warrior piece is almost kind of pushed to one side. And as a business owner, you are wearing 10 hats and you don't like all the hats. Nope. <laughs> and you only want one or two, the, the, the nice coach hat, not the account cat, the accountant cat oh, no. in, 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 in charge of operations, cat in charge of, uh, of, you know, uh, HR, director of HR, no. <laughs> HR, marketing, sales, all those. So some of them you don't like wearing and some of them like, so then you maybe give them to someone else to do. Um, but yeah, if you if the cat that's driving her business and charging her worth isn't one of the hats that you like to wear because it's not internalized with you at an identity level, um, then yeah, then the, then the warrior in your business will be low. I would say though, I think, there's a warrior in in terms of kind of the home environment mm. is that you have strengths around that. And I would also say, I'm sure that uh, if we went through a money coaching process, there are bits of warrior that you, that weren't in the quiz that we, that we measured you by. Yeah. We'll find more warrior there, in there. There's definitely. hope for me yet. <laughs> yeah, totally. So the next one is Marta. You're low on Marta and that's fine because Marta isn't one of the positive ones. Martyrs are controlling, manipulative, long-suffering, secretive. They're caretakers, but they're self-sacrificing, and they're sometimes passive-aggressive or resentful. They're compassionate and wise, but they're critical and judgmental. They often rescue others, but they don't always let go of what they give, and they've formed an unconscious attachment to their own suffering. So perfectionists, but yeah there's a price to pay in there somewhere. Mm. Um, and very often they're not open to receiving. They're quite attached, like victims, they're quite attached to where they are because it's an easier story to tell yourself. Right. Um, so again, with the victim, which you had zero on, it's easier 
to pretend that these bars are keeping me safe as opposed to locking me in. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, fool. Yes, we love the fool. A little bit of fool is fun. And you've got a little bit of fool, so that's fine. You're not a high fool. So fool is restless, undisciplined, financially irresponsible, petuous, but optimistic, overly generous, happy-go-lucky, lives for today, careless, reckless, and overindulgent. And so the fool is an interesting combination of an innocent and a warrior. So strong, moving forward, just doesn't read the small print. <laughs> your fool's low, so that's all right. And you all need a little bit of fool in your life. Otherwise, you're far too serious. I don't have enough fool in my life. And that makes me far too serious and not much fun. So gamblers by nature, looking for a windfall by taking financial shortcuts. Money making is a sport or recreation. Uh, very attached to living in the moment, huge amount of fun, great to be with, maybe not so much fun to live with uh, in later life. Um, and really working with a fool is just about paying attention to details, slow down, check it out. Does it really make sense? Mm. I know you'd like it to be right. And, you know, you've got that dopamine thing going on and you're all excited and it's fantastic. And this is the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread and all that stuff. But just slow down a minute. Go, Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, if we take the crypto example, is something that can lose 50% in a week or two weeks. So maybe it's not worth putting all your life savings into it. Go and take a little bit and have some fun playing with it. Yeah. But it's not the thing that is going to change your life, at least not for the positive. And yeah. So that's the fool. Slow down, read the small print, love the enthusiasm. Don't let that blind you from what is likely to to happen so fools land on their feet because they roll the dice they get it right every now and then you know mm -hmm. they they take the action they don't sit there in fear like the innocent going oh i don't want to do that it could be just scary it's like no fine let's go for it but unless you know what you're doing um eventually it all comes down crashing down so um that's the fool Creator artist, you have zero on which knowing you is a little surprising. I, know, I was really surprised. I was like, how so, did that happen? <laughs> so the artist is as artistic, spiritual, passive. I think that's probably one of the words that wouldn't be described. You could be described as, but they're internally motivated, unattached, non-materialistic, seekers of truth, persistent, and sometimes conflicted. So the challenge with artists they're people of vision and they find living in the material world difficult and challenging so there's this love-hate relationship this conflict between money which is grubby and nasty and money that you still need to survive mm. in an extreme creator artist overly identifies with the interior world and they even despise the rest of us so as you touched on earlier it's impossible to attract what we are repelled by so high creator artists are almost always struggling for financial survival. So they're very, very important to be authentic and true vision. Um, so helping creator artists is about helping them to, to accept the world they live in and embrace all of it um, and show them that they reduce the conflict. It's not, it doesn't mm. uh, necessarily have to conflict with your, with your values. Um, 
the tyrant is next. You have a very low tyrant, and that's fine because tyrant is living in fear. They're controlling, rigid, manipulative. They use money to control people and circumstances and events. They're prone to anger. They're critical and judgmental. You can be self-tyrant. You can be very harsh on yourself. Right. You can be very harsh on others, or you can be very harsh on yourself and others. So tyrant is um, not just about... But it's about control. Um, they can be materialistic. They can be secretive. They can be aggressive and unforgiving. And it's all about never having enough. Right. They 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 hoard money, but they never have enough. So safety. One of the things that struck me is safety is a feeling. It's not a number. Yeah. That's why no number. If you don't feel safe, there's no number that's going to make you feel safe. Uh, chronic not enoughness, very, very fearful of loss of control. So there's a woundedness in there. This place of scarcity, there's never, yeah, it's, you, you're always running to stand still kind of thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a wounded child in there. There is a wounded child in all of, all of these, but this one is particularly, uh, particularly stuck mm. uh, where they are. Um, so transforming their fear so they can feel safe. Uh, I've spent a lot of my life in Tyrant. My father was in Tyrant for most of his life, um, mainly due to his circumstances growing up in, in, in post-World War I Greece and then having the World, Second World War and the Greek Civil War and, you know, just chronic fear so it was around real. things. Yeah, it was real. But, so it's a very personal question, but do you mind me asking, knowing you know, you've learned this stuff when you've trained as a money coach. So becoming conscious of that tyrant in yourself, how has that changed your attitude to, to money and your behaviors around money? It's allowed me to see what's driving my behavior. So then I've got a reasonable chance of managing it. Right. And right. changing it. Yeah. And I think that comes back to self-compassion. I didn't choose to be this. He didn't choose to be that. Mm. Uh, he, we are the, we are my brother and I are the products of that environment, which was the product of the previous environment and the previous environment. That's why this, what you might call subconscious inheritance of financial trauma, or what they just get passed down from generation to yeah. generation. Because even though the world has become a safer place to live in, it, I am potentially passing down money, fear, money, anxiety to my children because yeah. I'm not aware of how I'm messaging it. It just seems normal to me. Well, it's interesting. My dad told a story about, you know, his father was a bricklayer. And if it rained, they couldn't lay a brick and they didn't get paid. Yeah. And so he would have brought that home with him, that trauma. So my dad's sort of element of security around money and it really, you can go to a very unsafe place and there is a scarcity is that makes perfect sense, you know, and then, and then that sort of pragmatic being careful around money, not, not sure. spending it on on wasteful things you know it's like it's yeah it starts to really make sense that's a rainy day fund yeah because you can't work when it's raining mm. that's that's where it where it comes from so th then you would have <laughs> i don't know what how he feels about rain and bad weather but <laughs> certainly his father would have been very kind of looking out the window going it's raining I'm, we're not going to eat today it's bad news yeah 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 um yeah you don't release yourself from that until you drag it out of the unconscious bring it into the light look at it and go right 
How is this serving? I release you. I release myself from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, let's just finish with the with the magician. Uh, and you've got some magician because you are a magician, cat. You are spiritual. You're wise. You're conscious. You're vibrant. You're trusting and generous and loving and powerful and optimistic, and fluid and confident and compassionate, open to flow and balanced, financially balanced. I'll so the yeah, I, I I thought it sounded good being a magician, but yeah, that's yeah. better. Yeah, you need to be a strong magician. You need acting magician to have all of those boxes, right? Right. But yeah, so the magician is um, very much the person that understands both parts of the uh, of the world the um the internal piece and the external piece mm. artist is vision um magician is spirituality the 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 balance between internal and external lies um and so that's why the magician isn't isn't the archetype of action when we talk about who's driving your money bus we need the warrior behind the wheel we need the magician at the front and we need the creator artist on the back seat. Right. And at the moment, I have no creator artist. So so that's something I could really dig into. And I, I would love to actually, especially, you know, when you're when you're setting out in business, it's it's really critical, I think, to get this stuff clear in your head. Yeah. I think for you, the warrior is probably the missing piece. Um, more so than the creator artist. I think there's some creator artist in there that didn't come out on the test. Right, the right. warrior is the is the one of action. So if you're if you're talking about connecting with drive and building a business then it's the warrior you want yeah. that's where the warrior's driving the car fascinating the others are all in the boot we let the fool out for some fun when we, <laughs> when we stop we don't let the fool drive and we put the fool back in the boot with the victim and the and the martyr and the tyrant and the innocent none of those should be driving your financial life or any part of your life right so that's a little introduction to the oh, money absolutely archetype. fascinating and i can see already how just that awareness when it comes to decision making which i think is the hardest part around money it's like mm. do I spend it on this or do i buy this or do i invest here or you know just bringing that awareness and then being more intentional about yes okay i want to bring the warrior up as what would the warrior do here what yeah. would the warrior do that's right who's driving this decision now is it yeah. oh i don't know about that it looks a bit scary to me is that that's your innocent playing up and and also then then look at how you are in that moment in time so uh there's an acronym called halt which is basically we make really bad decisions when we're hungry angry or anxious lonely or tired h-a-l-t halt is what they use for recovering substance abuse people who make you know or people with um issues around decision making yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. low self-control so what that. you're saying is don't make those decisions around money or have those conversations even with people around you around any decisions when you're hungry angry anxious lonely or tired when you're hungry and tired you don't have enough energy to run your uh cortex right this yeah. uses this bit up here uses 15 to 20 times more energy than uh the, all the subconscious processes that go on yeah. so when you're hungry and tired you're not in a great place for deep thinking when you're anxious angry or lonely you've got cortisol flooding around the system and that reduces your ability to think it produces this thing called cognitive narrowing 
where you just I just can't think. So that thing where you like you can't find the car keys, and you go it's like where are the car keys. I need the car keys. I've got to get out or my wallet or my phone or whatever else it yeah, is. And yeah. somebody goes, hmm, where did you last leave it? And you go, <laughs> if I knew that, they wouldn't be lost. That's right. So what's happened there is like you you've got your you've got your fight flight trigger going on you've got cortisol in the system it reduces your ability to polite and it reduces your ability to find them because it's got cognitive narrowing so that process is designed to get you away from a velociraptor it's not designed to help you find the car keys it's like get me out of here i don't need to see anything i don't need to hear anything i just need to run that way and everything else is peripheral to that that's why it's when you when you are triggered when you've got cortisol in the system it's very, very hard to make any sensible no. decisions about anything. So you've got to let it get out. So this is really around sort of money hygiene and, and really starting to think about, yeah, how you behave around your decisions and when you make those decisions. Yeah. You know, the whole thing is really important. And then ask yourself who's driving that decision, who's driving that. Yeah. Person. Well, I will certainly be digging in deeper into this. Um, I'd love to know more and yeah, you and I need to have a deeper conversation. But in the meantime, I'm fascinated to hear whether you have a story for me around an act of simple kindness that's impacted you. Uh, last Christmas, uh, there's a guy in the village who uh, normally has a, has a party and there's normally like about 40 or 50 or 50 or 60 people. Party. So he basically invites kind of 20 or 30 people from the village and, and adults only and go to the party. And it was cancelled last year because of COVID. Mm. And he went round to every single person he'd invited and gave them a bottle of champagne. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, that was so beautiful, so generous. And I, th- I thought, why, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that person. I, I would never have thought of that. And I probably would have gone, oh, it's, you know, it's too expensive. It's got but some just, advantages to COVID. I don't have to have a party. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've saved money. Brilliant. So... <laughs> Yeah, just just the so he is uh, well. I suppose you could say his 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 fool came out, and it was a beautiful, beautiful gesture. Yeah, uh, I know this. I had just I run with Justin, and it's it's just a lovely, lovely moment, lovely gesture for him. And I thought, yeah, that's I just kindness, generosity, and just bigness of spirit. Don't you think it's just yeah, yeah, big... absolutely. And in that moment of going around to hand them over, having the because what was the party for other than to connect with people and you know share yeah. love and celebrate and so you can do that but with an individual yeah that's magical. Yeah. amazing amazing and that's why i love those stories because they always just get you straight in the heart you know it's just that heart heartwarming feeling mm. when you think about things like that and so you know the inevitable when we come to i've just sort of seen challenges even in this whole process has brought up for me oh yeah this is challenging stuff to dig deep into these emotions so i'm fascinated to hear you know how you've found it how how have you found this having to get really up close because i know you've been through this process yourself Mm. to you know that's what sort of interested you in the first place yeah so Part of the money coaching training is to go through the money coaching process. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't be a good coach if you're still, <laughs> if you've got your, no awareness of your own problems, because that you project all your own beliefs and self-limiting beliefs and behaviors onto other people. Anyway, it's one of the things that um, a lot of financial advisors struggle with because it's like 
this, it's obvious, right? Why don't you do this? And so I went through that and then that taught me a lot about myself and also about the process from the receiving end and the giving end. So around that, I think when I looked at this and I thought about it, I thought in terms of kind of the overall challenge, I think the challenge is how do I do, once you build awareness, how do I do more of the things that take me towards the person I want to be and reduce or stop the things that are taking me away from the person I want to be? So I'd like to say up front, this is a journey, not a challenge I've overcome. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing that has got significantly better is my ability to discuss things without getting triggered or spiraling off into some mega reactive state so in our house and for me money conversations have always been a massive challenge because my tyrant was very active and my wife Catherine has a different relationship with money yeah and you can't manage a family without money discussions so money discussions I would get fearful and angry and she would get upset and angry and then we get locked in a pattern Talking about money made us both feel unsafe and then we react accordingly. And then each negative experience just reinforces this pattern. So breaking this was really hard. And it took me a lot of work to understand my own patterns. And even then you have to manage the reactivity. So one of the key breakthroughs was realizing that when you get triggered, this change is so rapid that you aren't aware of it. Yeah. And so I morph, morph is probably not even the right word, into angry, shouty man so quickly, I don't know it's happened. And then you have this bizarre situation where everyone's telling you to calm down and stop shouting. And you're going, I'm not shouting. You <laughs> lot just don't understand about what's going on, right? You just need to. So this goes on within a 20th of a second, because it's, again, it's the, core fight or flight response which is like get me out of here i'm in i'm in trouble so it's a 20th of a second trigger it's like less than an eye blink and you're in it and you don't know it and if you don't know it you can't get out of it and you know everyone just has to go and leave the room till i go and calm down which will take you know an hour two hours because then i'm going what did i say what went wrong what was i wasn't unreasonable was i there you normally took me about a day so this goes on and on and on. Um, and then I learned how to recognize what happened. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's really, really quick. You need, to, you, need, you, need, you need to understand what triggers you because if it does, you're gone, right? You've, you've lost it. So find out what triggers you. Find out what your core fears are, what, what's going to, to do this and stop yourself getting derailed. Again, we come back to hungry, angry, lonely, and and, and tired. And those situations, like coming back from a run and discussing the family finances, not a good idea. No. Nope. Tired, half past 11, you know, six glasses of wine down, not a good time to be talking about triggering things. And then I learned about Catherine's triggers and what driving her fear is. And then how I my behavior would trigger those fears in her and make her reactive. And over time, when you learn how to manage your own side, you learn how to not 
trigger the other person and you can begin to understand each other. Um, we began to have healthy communication around money. And I moved from the view that, or the position that my view was the only valid view and you just needed to get on, on board with it. <laughs> the tyrant. The tyrant, yeah. You know, And this means that we could move forward. So then each positive interaction helps build a little, little base for the next one. And eventually over time, you can approach money discussions with less fear, less trepidation, and I wouldn't say a great deal of joy. And but it's it's not going to be that threatening, unsafe experience. Mm. And we still disagree on a lot of things, but it's this has stopped tearing our marriage apart. Mm. And I just think it's such a noble thing that actually what you're now doing is you know, you clearly went to this space because you realize something's got to give, something's got to change, learned all this stuff. And now you're really invested in helping other people. And I think it's a common thing to have stress and anxiety and just that conflict around money because of those different value sets and because of everything that everyone brings to the table subconsciously. Absolutely. And you know, what I love about this is you did say, let's start from a place of self-compassion. And I think what it's showing is a deep self-compassion for yourself, first of all, you know, to be able to, what's the phrase? You can only heal when you can start to forgive yourself. You can only really move through it once yeah. you've created that awareness. You can't heal if you think you're fundamentally flawed. Yeah, And that's just a story. Maybe it's a story that a lot of people have told you over your life, but in the end, it ends up as a story you're telling yourself. Absolutely. And it's not true. We are all enough. All of us, we are enough. Absolutely. Um, and we need to, to forgive ourselves for what we've done, because it comes back to things that I don't think were really conscious cognitive choices. No. And when you learn to do this, it applies to almost everything. So you, you learn to look at your reactions and go, ah, why do I feel that way? What am I threatened by? Because it's always about safety. So it's why does this person, or this comment, or that look, or that tone of voice make me feel unsafe? Yeah. Because danger is real, but fear is a product of the thoughts that you create around it. And I, that's not supposed to sound kind of bland and meaningless because anxiety is real. Financial fragility is real. Mm. But if you're paralyzed by fear or shame or guilt, then you can't change it. So it's a message of hope because understanding what your brain is doing and learning to go, okay, I know this is what's going on here. This 250 million years old, this little yeah. reactive fight, flight, or fright thing. That's okay. Thank you for that. I'm not in danger. It's not life threatening. But it's I okay. think at the heart of that, Dennis, is what what we come back to is what makes you such a good coach is your deep understanding of that process, having worked through it yourself. Yeah. You know, it's not me preaching and saying I've got it perfectly all sewn up here and here's what you need to do. It's, I get these feelings. I understand how this can sure. come up. And that's what, what you bring to the table. All behavior is rational. 
to that person in that moment based on their experiences, their, their view of life and themselves and what they're going through. It's all rational. When we say that's irrational, what we're really saying is, I don't understand why you did that. But that doesn't make, so that's you know, quite very damning of an individual, but also it reflects on us not on the individual it makes perfect sense to that individual yeah. or that individual's brain at that at that moment in time and so what this does the beauty of this is it releases you from judgment mm. all that judgment you have around why are they doing that and how can they think that and what's the matter with you what's wrong with you this is and self-judgment too so when you release yourself from self-judgment, yeah. you release yourself from all judgment. And it's such a nice place to be. Well, and we've had a you know beautiful conversation where we've been able to laugh. You know, you've been able to laugh at yourself from a distance, which is a sign for me. It's always a sign that I've let go of something. I'm not taking myself so seriously that, you know, I'm hanging on to being right or mm. not moving from this mindset. You know, it's that it's that opening and just this ability to to take a step back and view yourself from outside, which is beautiful. Yeah. 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 Phenomenal. So, what a fascinating conversation. Now I'm just aware time-wise we're, we're, yeah, we're really digging in here. So I know we've shared a lot of musical experiences together. I mean, Fort Canning, those concerts that they used mm. to there in Singapore where we saw Snow Patrol. And I remember you introduced us to um, One Republic before One Republic were really a thing. I think it was before they were a thing, but, you know, I remember sort of listening to, to great songs. So what's the music that you bring to add to the collection? I'd think about this. Well, obviously I did, but if I had to pick one piece of music, it's going to be Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Wow. And it just, I feel it in my body, it takes me back to being at university. It takes me back to the first time I ever heard it. And there was just something about university that was a release for me from my childhood in some ways, my school life, which I didn't really enjoy. And suddenly being at university, you were kind of free of, of that. You, it, yeah. was a, it was a new start for me and I learned uh about sex and drugs and rock and roll and <laughs> so wish you were here i think it's just one of the most beautiful pieces of music i've ever heard so it's it's basically most of an album it's a beautifully crafted piece of music it's a beautiful story written by the members of pink floyd about sid barrett who they're all cambridge boys and who had started the band and then basically drifted off because he'd taken too many hallucinogenics and couldn't function anymore so Wish You Were Here was a, a, a pian to him. And also it just takes me back to, to that spot. But also it's something I kind of feel that resonates across my life. It's something where I wish other people were, were here that are gone sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I wish that I was more present. So I wish I was here. So, yeah, it's, it's, it moves me more than any other piece of music uh, that I have. And as you know, I've got a lot. So that was, yeah. that's what I nailed it down to. I probably wouldn't have it on my desert island, but, but in terms of the piece of music that, that I've sat down. And one of the most beautiful moments of being a parent was sitting down with Nicholas and Louis and just playing the album. Louis has it on his wall. He loves it too. So 
Fantastic. Yeah, there's a, there's their subconscious inheritance, but they chose it. I think yeah. they chose it not because I played it. They just we just sat down with three of us and listened to to wish you were here, and it was just lovely. Fantastic. Oh, that's a really welcome addition to the playlist. So thank you for that. And what a what a beautiful story to round things off with. Mm. So, you know your wisdom around money and but but really about creating awareness and insight and that essential piece around what it takes to actually break some of those habits mm. transform has been amazingly powerful i think people will listen to this and just think wow you know there's there's something that literally everyone can take from this episode in Thank terms you. of awareness but what's the one piece of wisdom that you would share with the world I've got two. <laughs> That's allowed. I've got two because I think that. Both, I think money doesn't come with instructions. Only emotions is something that I like to trot out because it's actually so true. Yeah. But the thing that, that that really stuck with me is something I came across from I think it was Adam Grant, and he goes, "I don't have to believe everything I think." Yes. And that's so true. And this this whole conversation has been about those thoughts that trigger those emotions. Mm. And that's what makes us behave in a certain way. And if you, yeah, take a step back and say, I don't actually have to believe it's a strange. I don't have to believe that anymore. Wow. That's not me, right? I don't have to believe I, I, I can do something else. I could be something else. I don't have to believe that stuff. Yeah. So that's the release. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, I can only say thank you once again for not only being here, sharing all that wisdom, but for really adding insight for me personally. I'm definitely going to be having another conversation with you around, yeah, just just once you've got that awareness, how do you make sure that the right people are driving the bus and that mm. you're really stepping into your potential there from a money and financial point of view? So thank you for joining me. And it's been an absolute pleasure. It has, hasn't it, Kat? Thank you so much indeed for your Fabulous. time. Thanks a lot. Bye. I don't know about you, but I found that really interesting. One of the things that came out of it for me was this idea that our beliefs are being formed without us ever really being conscious of how or where they come from. This foundation is the basis of the habits and patterns we adopt around money, and it's only when we create a real awareness of what they are that we can make a decision to change them and address any issues we might be facing. Add to that the fact that we live with other people and have to consider their own individual responses, and it's hardly surprising that it can be a subject that causes a lot of issues between couples, as well as being something you have to navigate for yourself. As Dennis said, this isn't something we're ever really taught how to do. In fact, money is a subject we often don't talk about openly. So if this conversation has resonated or caused you to want to dig a bit deeper and find out more about money coaching and how it works, you can head over to Dennis's website at cambridgemoneycoaching.uk where you can take the quiz and learn more about your own money archetypes or book in for a free money chat to talk about what's concerning you or causing you stress around money and whether Dennis might be able to help. I know that one of the things Dennis is most passionate about in his work is helping to promote a healthy dialogue with your kids so they can grow up to be financially literate and capable when it comes to dealing with money. As ever, all the links can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us and have a super week. And here's hoping after all that, it's also a prosperous one too. 
thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.